Good morning, happy new year. This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by Manchester United legend Paul Parker to talk over the Christmas period at Manchester United and, and the um, New Year's um, early game against uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers tonight. Um, before we begin, Paul, how are you doing? How was your Christmas? Um, all right, not too bad. <laughs> Just got on with it, really. I think, like most people, I didn't really jump around as such. As I mentioned to yourself personally, I think a lot has been taken away from people, and it's it's a hard system to get back into at the moment. Yeah, um, were you on Santa's good list or his naughty list? I think I'm I think I'm reasonably good, to be honest. <laughs> You are, you are. Uh, if you're watching live, please like and subscribe. If you're watching on the replay, do that anyway. Um, if you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook, feel free to get your questions in. If you're watching the replay as well, um, say hello. We do we still comment on the on the replies and comments that we get. And um, yeah, thank you for your support. Obviously, Paul and I have been doing this podcast now for coming up to three years. And um First of all, it's a privilege for me, as I often bore Paul with um, messages to gush about how, how um, amazing I love doing the podcast with with Paul and um, how grateful I am f- for his time. But over the last year, um seems to have been quite popular. And we were ranked by Feedspot as the number one independent Manchester United podcast of 2021, technically number two overall. So I'm very proud of that. I'm looking forward to even better 2022. Um, and that'll be the hope for United, Paul. Um, we'll talk over these Christmas games, because uh, it has been a mixed period. Um, Newcastle, first of all, they've been trying this new shape. You know, it was obviously, um, I don't know really how you describe this, because we had a, a few days off, um, plenty of time to sort of get used to this shape. And the performance was flat as anything. Another game, I mean, we've played Newcastle and Norwich, two of the bottom teams in the league, two of the worst teams in the league, and um, been quite fortunate to get away with four points, really. And that was the case at St. James's Park. Um, again, De Gea, the man of the match, probably. Um, and considering we had all the players available, very flat performance in Newcastle, wasn't it? It was, to be honest. And generally, they're, you know, for Newcastle, it's a big game. They treat that game as a really big game. The fans get behind them, and it's you know, and United go there. They know there's going to be a battle, but on a few occasions they've gone there and they've won quite comfortably in good games. Lost, lost one, which they kept using, didn't they, all the time to finish out their goal. They kept showing that, digging back years yeah. and years to try to remember some of the bright spots in Newcastle against Manchester United. So I expected United to lift and things to, you know, to roll on. And what you saw really was what everyone is, I think, has been kind of expecting but kind of got used to is a team that is still hasn't really found a level yet, hasn't found a platform to play from at this moment in time. People are still playing like they don't know each other. There's nothing there. There's still not. A, I mean, there's a formation which gets put up on TV, but it doesn't mean anything really because it just... It's, no one's really, no one's really working it. It doesn't look like it. Southampton have been doing that same system for years and years, and Southampton have been steady up or you know or down to a point. So you say to yourself, is it working for Southampton in a certain way? Formations are only as good as the players who are actually playing on the pitch. <clears throat> the system 
you, you pull it down on paper, and I go to games, and, and you pull it on paper, and you look at it, and you say to yourself, that just looks like a, a thin house with a roof on the top. It's, it's, a, it's an arrow. It's, it's rubbish. It's not Manchester United playing that system. But is it because the players who are, play, who are playing at the moment are not the players that he can play it with? And, and I think, if anything, he's got a kid in the kindergarten who's got different shapes to put, in, to put into holes. After a while, that kid will realise, doesn't matter how much it looks like that shape, it's not actually that shape, so it's not going to go in. So they will try and find, find a way of getting around it and, put, and getting, getting it in there. And that's only going to happen when he, if and when he spends money because the players he's got, they're, they're not up to it. Whatever he, what he's looking for, I need to really to... Maybe I should sit down and watch a bit of Leipzig, really, and see how they play and get an idea on, on, on how it works, really. Because yeah. I'm, I'm looking at United and you can move it around and the players, you know, Sancho I thought was stepping forward. He seems to have digressed now. Um, it's just, it's just, I don't know, I look at Ronaldo and if he doesn't score a goal, you say to yourself, what are you getting from him? He's dropping into midfield, he's meant to be a centre forward, you know, and it's not working. You don't want Ronaldo in that midfield. You you want someone which United haven't got. You want a player on the ball who's going to create. Um, you want Cavani to get a run of games to get his mojo back because that's what you need. Forget about his age. Think about him as a player. Um, so, you know, I've gone on a bit there really, but there's all little bits what I think every United fan can say and will wants to say about the way they're playing at the moment. United are living off of reputation. Reputation is, is getting United through certain situations. Oh, yeah, I forgot to say, individuals are getting them through as well. The team is just plodding. Yeah, well, plodding is a good word for this season. Um, we do have a question in from Victoria's Secrets regarding uh, transfers and stuff like that, but we'll get to that a little bit later. I'm just flagging it now to let you know that I'll come back to it. Um, so let's talk about Burnley then, because... Obviously, in that game, there was a change of shape, uh, which was necessitated by the suspension to Fernandez. So he played four-two-four, four-four-two, really. But the reason why I'm saying four-two-four is when the ball was out of play um, from where we were sat in Old Trafford. Anyway, you could see that when the ball was out of play, Sancho and Greenwood were pushing high on the fullback, so it looked sometimes like a four-two-four. Maybe it's because they're naturally forward, or maybe they were told to do that. I mean, I'm talking from the dead plays, obviously, when when the ball was out of play. So obviously, when it was in play, they were they were dropping deeper. Uh, there was nothing particularly groundbreaking in that. You, you wouldn't say that there was a high press during the game. Um, you, you mentioned the individuals thing. And yeah, I mean, you probably put the goals down to that. McTominay um, getting his shot away, which um, fell kindly, basically. Because Ronaldo, I mean, he's generously going to be attributed with an assist for that, but he's trying to fix his feet to shoot, you can tell. And the ball rolls for McTominay, he scores. Um, but from then on, obviously, it changes the shape of the game because Burnley are very much a pragmatic team, but they had to come out and try and attack. And, and that left the spaces for United to, to score the goals that they did. I, so, I, don't get me wrong, I mean, United winning 3-1, I'm not going to turn my nose up at that. It's as comfortable as we've been for a, a long time, but it wasn't achieved in the fashion we were led to believe this new style of football is going to be. And and by the way, 
anyone listening to this or watching this is going to probably think that we're getting on the manager's back. I'm really not. I'm, I'm looking at the players, really, because I, I looked at them at the Newcastle game, Paul, and my initial response to what I saw was they found an excuse, those players, because the, the excuse is the system doesn't work for them, so they're just not... They'll, they can not work. No, I'm saying they're not working. They obviously are, but they can... They've got a ready-made excuse for them, and this this is a group of players who, unfortunately, history tells us that when there's an excuse offered to them, they'll take it. They don't have to perform and and kick on. That's why we've been. They're the biggest reason. You can blame Solskjaer, you can blame Mourinho, but by and large, the players have got to take a lot of responsibility. Paul, you've said it many times. Um, how, how frustrated you've been about the reaction to poor results and poor performances that they don't seem to show accountability for it. And, you know, all this will go again kind of nonsense, which is fine. You know, if, you, if you're bruising after a particularly rough defeat, then say that, fine. He's, we didn't want to hear it, don't get me wrong, but if, if there's a time to say something like that, then fair enough. But it's you can't not turn up against Norwich and Newcastle like we did and then just say, oh, we'll go again. You've got to show better, even with this accounting for a change of system. That should be the opportunity. And we were saying this all along, or my suspicion was the thing that was keeping Solskjaer in a job was the fixture list because you wanted it to be more generous to who was coming in. And it has been more generous, even more generous because the Brighton and Brentford games were postponed. So he's had an easier run of games. And we've not seen anything from the players. They just haven't stepped up. And against Burnley, yes, we scored three times, but it wasn't that the first half was fine. Okay, you're not going to, like I said, not going to turn up. Turn your nose up at three goals, Paul. But it's worrying that he's just not seen a response from the players. Normally, you get you, I don't want to be a club that has new manager bounce really because of what that implies and, and the trend that it says. But you still want to see something more. There were complaints that they were, um, there was a rumor that they were complaining about five o'clock training sessions. It's it's mad. I mean, they, they've got to expect to change, they've got to expect responsibility. Um, and I've ranted on a little bit there, Paul, but um, to bring you back to Burnley, obviously they changed the shape. They went with wider players. It looked a little bit more entertaining for a little while. Um, and then if I'm going to be generous about the performance, I would say that they controlled the second half in a way that we haven't seen United control the second half. Um, but even, even winning 3-1 um, wasn't particularly impressive, was it? No, it wasn't. But just go back, just just go back a minute of what you um, the time you spent there, just the latter bit. Um, if I was someone said to me, I mean, I used to, I think we all used to moan that we had to train late afternoon on a Christmas day to then travel to a game. Yeah, we had to do that. We'd turn up at Old Trafford, train at Old Trafford, then we'd park our park our cars just underneath the um, just underneath the tunnel the Munich tunnel would park inside underneath the ground, <clears throat> which is just un- just underneath the case stand, yeah? Yeah. So we'd, um, we'd park around there and we'd moan. But the thing about it, we would moan, but it wouldn't be out there public knowledge. Yeah. We wouldn't, you know, none of us wanted to do that. No one wants to go to work at five o'clock. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going into um, a studio tonight to go and do the game this evening. I don't want to be leaving here at, three o'clock in the afternoon i'd rather i'd rather be going if the game's on i'd rather be going early in the morning so i'm kind of feeling bright and fresh today long the day goes on you feel like you're being sacked yeah 
And I think that's that mentality, but that's the worrying thing that it's got out. They didn't want to, mostly didn't want to, which is going to be human's nature, because if someone's jumping around going, I can't wait for training, you're going to slap him around the end and say, wake up. <laughs> but no, that's, that's the worrying thing for me. It's things like that are getting out. So that worries me about today's footballers is that they they want to talk too much. They want to, they, you know, they think they've got friends and their friends are talking for them because all these kind of wannabe journalists are, going, are getting involved and around friends or they're putting... And then what their friends of the friends of the footballer are saying to them, mm. that they're deciding they want to pull it online because they think it's great. Look, I know I've got a source kind of similar. So we're in that world really where the long and short of it, going back to the days of, say, Jack Regan, there's a lot of grasses out there, to be perfectly honest, and who just can't help and want to talk about footballers because it makes them feel better themselves. So in theory, footballers are being used, used really by people who they thought they could trust or yeah. Friends of the footballers are being used by people. So it's shocking that this is coming out. The Burnley, <clears throat> going back to the Burnley game, I was working on the, the Burnley game and I sat there and I had to, in certain ways, I was apologising on air if I was coming across too critical, but I, I didn't enjoy it. I thought it was, for a team that hadn't played for so long, Burnley, they were a better team with the ball than Manchester United. You, people throw up stats. Look how look you know. Look at the possession United had. I always look what the team do with possession. I look at how they look, how they're shaping up when they've got possession in that midfield. Burnley looked more likely to break down the back four. They didn't have a great threat in front of the goal, but they every time the centre halves were panicking, panicked every single time they got on the ball in midfield. Dwight McNeil was causing them problems. They couldn't get anywhere near him. And you look at Burnley midfield, you look at them, how they progressed in mid, every time they had the ball and went forward, they were better than Manchester United. Manchester United, as I've said before, I've got one of the poorest midfields in the Premier League. Mm. Without a shadow of a doubt, that can't be changed. But it doesn't matter what within that squad, that's not going to change until they go out and spend on at least two midfield players. If he wants to play this, whatever, 2-2 two, two midfield, whatever, he's got to have another two midfield players. And... And sorry, I'm going to upset people. I really don't care that Scott McTominay had this unbelievable super, super game against Burnley, where he's had a few strikes at goal. If you look at the game, you look at Burnley's midfield, and you say to yourself, hold on a minute, when you think Jack Cork, you wouldn't put Jack Cork any, um, any distance away from Scott McTominay as a footballer. Mm. Should, should, um, should Jack Cork play for Manchester United? Everyone would go, of course not. There you are. At this moment in time, United need to get, if they want to go get to where they want to be, they need to get at least two midfield players. Yeah. Well, at least two midfield that, players. Let, let me just jump in on that, Paul. Uh, sorry to interrupt. But yeah, you make a point that because everyone watching this or listening back will go, oh, I thought McTominay had a good game. And did he, yeah, he did. He scored a goal and had a couple of shots. One of them led to, I think, Ronaldo's goal as well. But look at the the shape of the team in in that too. Um, I, I share your view. I've always said that McTominay and Fred are. I don't think that you can challenge for a title with that in, with that midfield. The problem is that the backup isn't good enough. I know people talk about Matic and that he's got this. He, he's got a penetrative pass, and, and yeah, fair enough, he does. But I'm sure. 
I wonder if you sp- spotted the same thing as me, Paul. It's something that I've noticed when Matic has played, but I've never really known how to articulate it. But Matic has this issue, maybe it's caused by his lack of pace at the moment, but he drifts into the middle of the midfield, which creates a big problem because you've got the other midfielder has got to find a space to play alongside him. Now, it was funny because I was reminded of something that I wrote. We, we played Arsenal at the start of the year and Matic and Fred played in the middle of midfield. And Fred was being pulled everywhere. And, and, because, and really because of Matic's, you know, his stationary positioning and his lack of pace. So Fred was getting pulled out <coughs> because Matic is in the middle and Fred's having to do all this body work around him. And that was the same with McTominay and Matic the other night. And we got away with it because, you know, Burnley weren't up to much. And perhaps, they, you know, we benefited from them being a bit ring rusty. But that's the problem. That's another problem, not necessarily just McTominay and Fred. Obviously, we know the problem that we've got with Pogba. The problem with Pogba is that he can drop a four out. He can drop a, a stinker of a performance against a Burnley and Newcastle. He can drop one against anyone in the league. He can get caught in possession by a Jack Cork. Any, anyone, you know, there's no, there's no surprise by that. But the, the obviously the concerning point is that if you've got the experience of Matic, which is what that's the experience that we've got, he does get pulled into the middle to, and maybe it's because he's, he's worried about his his lack of pace, so he doesn't want to be too far from one side of the pitch. Is that something that you've noticed, Paul? Is it something that you're worried about? Is it, or do you think that I'm looking at that and thinking, no, he's, he's probably getting a little bit too carried away with that? Well, it just boils down to it. The long and short of it is the system doesn't suit Matic. He, need, yeah. he, needs, he needs someone wide of him, guaranteed to be wide of him, to fill that to fill that area because he can't consistently... Make 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 those moves. He can't do it. You put him in there, and you ask him to hold and sit in front. He will sit in front. He will take the ball off the mid, off the defenders, and he will be able to the one who can make those passes in positive areas to players in midfield or beyond. He can yeah. do that. That's his strength. That's what he was doing for Chelsea. So it's there in his locker. If you go and if you were to go and do it, you know you look. He's at, you look at the, what the age is. He's at now. His experience and what's in his head. It's. You know, it would be a vast amount in there, but it hasn't been utilised properly, really, in theory, since he's come to Manchester United. No one's really got a consistent... But I think Mourinho got a good bit out of him, which is surprising because Mourinho got rid of him yeah. when he was at Chelsea. But Mourinho turns up at United, plays him, and he got a lot out of Matic, which I was surprised, really. And Matic was a very, very good player when he was at Chelsea. You know, mm. no difference to Mata. Mata was exactly the same, Mata... As another player hasn't been utilised properly since he's been at United, um, so it's just it, just the whole thing against Burnley just didn't look right. And Burnley, like you said, a team which were ring rusty, they got the in that first half until when United scored their first goal. I turned around and said words to the effect of, "If I was Burnley, I'd be scratching my head, my head saying, how did how we one nil down?" And yeah. then I'd be looking at my defenders and going, "What have you done?" We've had the ball most of the time. We've taken the game forward. You've had hardly anything to do. When you've asked to do something, you failed miserably. When the second one goes in, you would ask the same questions because they go in. If they go in at 2-0, they're saying, we don't deserve that, but we got something here. But they end up going down 3-0 and they must have been mesmerised. I personally, I mean, maybe I need to see it again. <clears throat> if United were controlling it in the second half, that's not a, that's not a way... 
and Manchester United or a team of that elk yeah. or elk should control a game of football. Is it was um, they've scored a goal, they've got a goal back, but again they were doing stuff Burnley that if it, if that had been Burnley who maybe have got a few games behind them, then I think it would have been a different story. But they were fortunate that they were playing Burnley that evening, in my opinion. I know it's an easy thing to say, hindsight after, but I think if you really go and watch that game and you put the win, take the win out of the way, because Manchester United are not, as I keep saying, are not just about winning, they're about performances. And when you play the likes of Burnley, you beat Burnley, you beat Burnley by putting the ball in the back of the net, but your performance as well shows a difference in class. The reason yeah. why Manchester United are, are seen up there, the reason why Burnley's and teams like Burnley come to Old Trafford and they come there, generally should be coming there fearful. And, yeah. you know, and they, they, they come there not expecting to get a lot. And I don't think Sean Dyche was speaking in that, in that his whole thing leading up to it. All he wanted these players to, to get, back in, get back in the system again because they've been here harder than anyone else, any other side regarding these games being called off. And they've wanted to play games because the last thing he wants to be doing is sitting down near that bottom with games in hand. Yeah. He doesn't want that because that's false. That is, that is false economy if you're down there. You're kidding yourself. If you think, I've been there when I got relegated when I was at Fulham. We, we were sitting there with games in hand. <clears throat> One of the few southern sides in the old third, in the second division. And we end up get we end up getting relegated because you oh we've got that game you don't get them in the end and they suddenly disappear especially when you hit the low parts your head yeah. starts going it disappears but United should have really been all over them like a rash they should have controlled that game back to front movement the ball across the back um, everything should have been right <clears throat> top players never showed up Cavani mm. was struggling but when I hear um, the coach talk about talk about that game and he talked about United going forward. I thought to myself, I haven't got all the credentials he's got as a coach. All I've got is um, somebody who played the game, somebody who's watched a lot of football, and I didn't see what he was seeing to talk about it in that manner. And unless he was, you know, maybe felt that he's, he's had to put on rose-tinted glasses to appease the fans by saying that, then that's the only excuse I can give him for saying that because the hard up Manchester United fan, the one who loves the club, loves the club, maybe more, maybe just as much as his family, even he would say that wasn't great against Burnley and against like a Wolves. If they perform like that against the Wolves this evening, they ain't going to get, they won't get three points. Yeah. Wolves are better defensively than Burnley. They're more organised. They're not going to score. They're not going to score a lot. They haven't scored a lot of goals. They don't really threaten in that way. But they have got a few quality players who can do something, who can do things more than Burnley. So it's got to be better. I don't know if he's going to change it, thinking that was good enough, he can do it again. But it wasn't. A few players, Sancho was has gone from there, the level of the floor. He's lifted and we saw glimpses in the games in Europe and then he got regular games in the Premier League. Against Burnley, he hit the floor. The only time he, he went past somebody was when he had that shot of goal. It goes in and the goal gets taken away from They give the goal to me, don't they? Did it? I, I thought yeah. it was Sancho's goal. Oh, my God. It, oh, I found thought um, the PL gave it to um, Comfrey. They might have done. They might have done. But he's come across and stepped with his right foot and must have taken it more inside of the post. But that's the only time I think he went past somebody. And then next time he tried, he failed. So he's... His confidence is up and down 
He needs yeah. to get comfortable. He needs to be in a comfortable position in the pitch. And you want people want him to take people on. You've got him, the person you want to give the ball to, to take people on. You want him to become your Andre Konchelskis. You want him to become your Ryan Giggs. You want him to become your Lee Sharp. You want him to become <clears throat> your Ronaldo of old. Yeah. To take people on in wide, in wide areas at the moment, it, it, isn't, it isn't happening for him. He's not getting that belief just by looking at Emily's face. Yeah. One thing I did notice with Sancho and Greenwood wide the other night, um, and we've got a question about wide positions, so I'll pop it up now. Um, the, because they're both in phase, they're, they're both players who like to come in and cut in, it, it, it's not necessarily easier to defend against, but, but you're bringing the play up by 20 yards. But if it, So if you, you're an outside winger, you can get to the byline, it like we were doing occasionally. That's why we had the greatest joy. We were causing more panic in their defence when Greenwood just bombed on to the byline or, you know, you had a touchline, sorry. And the same with Sancho. And yes, they can cut in from that position, but normally they cut in like 35 yards up the pitch and it's doing nothing because defences can handle it a, a little bit better. Having said that, I still think there's benefits to playing wide than than with the narrow shape and like I said earlier, the Burnley game gave us the option of doing that without Fernandez, and I don't want to be you know critical too much because obviously Fernandez hasn't been in great form. We can all see that. I still think he's one of the key creative players, and the stats will probably back that up. Um, he still creates a lot of chances, um, or, or the best amount of chances for for the players around him. But it's without question that you know we played well without him the other night. Can't well. We, we scored three goals without him and we didn't look like we missed him, I should say that. Um, Victoria's Secrets asked, Paul, um, I think if both Ronaldo... Well, it's a statement, not a question. If both Ronaldo and Cavani play as a front two, we need to play with wingers to get the very best out of them. Playing with two offensive midfielders without wingers dilutes the impact they make. We've said this before, right? You've said, you said it probably a week after we were... Uh, we had Ragnik in charge, but you were saying the formation doesn't look quite right. It's square pegs, round holes kind of thing. Um, you know, are we in that position now? I mean, I know you've got to try and find a way to put Fernandez in the team, maybe in the midfield too. I don't know how that works because I don't know if he's strong enough in position in possession in a midfield too. But you kind of feel like you've got to play that wide system because we've got a lot of wide players right it, it seems it seems <coughs> nonsense to, to not do it so it's Rangnick's thing is like yes you want to get the methodology across but there's nothing saying that you can't ask players to press enough in with wide players right it's it's just something you got to do horses for courses yeah I mean it is that way and United have always been knowing about why being about wide players sometimes you you know as much as you look at it nostalgia you know it's, it's fantastic but you can't always believe in it, and you always you shouldn't. You can't always go back to it. But I look, I look at it at the moment, and it doesn't suit the players that he's got to play mm. that system. One thing that Burnley kept doing, which they got a lot of joy from, that they never had the personnel to take it a step further, which a better side will. And if Wolves were watching that game, they were trying to say, "Hold on a minute here," is the amount of times they switched to play Wolves because United was so narrow. They really switch to play, and if they get on either side, and they and it allows them to then go one against one against the fullback. Now, you you look at it and you think to yourself, if you don't want Dallow doing, if he's going to play, going one against one, mm. 
and then you think the other side, you don't want Luke Shaw one against one. Luke Shaw just, he looks tired the moment the game kicks off. He just doesn't look, you know. So you don't want, and they kept doing it, but they never really couldn't make a lot of it because they didn't have the personnel. But they earned a lot of areas in wide, a lot of areas in wide positions, and they got in that, and they got into that, like, they got into the final third quite easily by switching play with a like, you know, with Jack Cork pulling, you know, going right to left. And you think to yourself, wow, you know, they were doing that far too easy because the midfield yeah. weren't close enough to them to close it down and everyone was having to tuck in. Now, we talk, you know, when you've got, when you've got a Mason Greenwood and you've got a Sancho, you just want them to deliver balls. And, you, and then if you keep delivering balls into that box, that's going to force them back. That's going to create space because they're, they're worried about that. They know in nine times out of ten, Ronaldo's not going to run behind them. Cavani's not really going to run behind them <clears throat> in certain ways if they're, if they're that high up. But, but, what, but what happens is that what happens is that if you keep crossing the ball, Ronaldo will stop coming into midfield. Yeah. yeah and that's, and he, kept, he, he kept coming looking for the ball. That, that was the biggest problem. He kept doing that and he was causing, mass, causing problems in the fact of he was coming back to have one or two touches, slows it down, and then that was a land burn and he go back. But if you keep putting the ball in the box, you're forcing the issue and saying, stay in there. And he's going to want to stay in there because that means the chances of him to score a goal is heightened. Yeah. And it wasn't doing it. Every every time you cut inside and you're hoping, you're hoping that somebody can just deliver the, you know, put a crossing, which is going in towards the defenders, <clears throat> which make, <clears throat> excuse me, which makes the defenders' favourites coming onto balls. In the end time, Ronaldo gets on it, it's a great ball. But that's very few and far between. So sometimes you just need more crosses coming into the box in United. Just don't do it. And when you've got the, the wide players that they've got, even Rashford to a point <clears throat> is a wide player. You don't want him running into cul-de-sacs all the time. So all he's doing is blocking up. It's important that they, United, start asking questions of defences by delivering early balls into the box. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Um, Red Angle makes a comment. Uh, I presume Fernandez, because that looks familiar with those numbers, 80-odd goals and assists in 100 games. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that he's... Obviously, he's productive, and even in his lean spell of not playing well, I still think he remains one of the most productive players in the team. But but we didn't miss him against Burnley. That's the point I was trying to make. And you know, we obviously we won the game, and it like Paul said, he's presenting this other scenario, which really is one that suits our team or the, the players in the team better. We've got a lot of wide players, and it's our Rangnick marries that with the the um philosophies he wants to introduce you know he can't say oh i'm going to play 4222 and and that's what i'm going to hammer to the players because i you know even if the formation's good and even if like he's a really good coach for making that work i don't trust the players enough i honestly don't i, I think that the players would just look at that and say oh well it doesn't suit us we've got an out we've got an easy thing this is a point made by mike pieri and i want to we have talked about this poll so it might be a bit of a leading question but mike says um the way he asks have some players reached a comfort zone of believing they have arrived by simply being at united is this compounded by the fact that the club captain is so far removed from the likes of robson keen bruce Cantona in personality and not ability and it's a very interesting thing i 
um, I've written something about this on the website. It was it was on um, over the last week or so, and it was talking about that. And you've talked about it before, Paul, and that, I think that's why it's always been in my mind that you have a lot of players who arrive at United. And Martial's a really good example of a player who probably is better off not playing for United as long as he stays at United because people can talk about his ability, hype him up. They they can make they can argue the case for his performances, and we don't have to see the reality of them. And you'd rather be a player not playing at Manchester United and picking up the money that you are, rather than a player playing at, for the sake of argument, Sevilla. Is it? It's a conundrum for him because could he go to Sevilla and, and say, let's say plays fifteen games and scores seven or eight goals? The profile that he's got as a player and as a market potential is exponentially drops and I don't know if that's the situation that we face with modern football that that they prefer to coast somewhere like United because it's easier to do that and if you think that that's the case if that sounds like it's a fair argument then you've got seven or eight players like that at United that and that's very very worrying um is that a case do you think Paul I mean that Micah Richards he said something about this a few weeks ago didn't he, he said he talked about his, his first big contract at City. He got his first big contract and then he coasted. He admitted it. And, you know, fair play to him for, for admitting that. A lot of players aren't honest enough to come out and do that. Do you think that that's a pr- big problem with United at the moment? And and do you think it's compounded by the fact that the captain isn't one? You know, like a, a Keane. Keane, I mean, you would have had it under Bruce and Robson. Like, they would have told you in no uncertain terms when a performance wasn't good enough. Maguire doesn't put across that message, does he? Really, he just says, "Well, we'll go again next week." Everyone seems to talk up the performance when we can all see that they're not good enough. Well, first of all, Maguire couldn't say that to other people because he's he has to be more concerned about his own game. Yeah, um, no one's got that belief in him anyway as a captain. They they won't have. It's impossible to have that to see him as your captain. He hasn't got that. He hasn't got that. Bad. He hasn't. He hasn't done the hard yards to be in that position. Um, <clears throat> there's nothing about him that suggests he's a captain. He's a captain because of what his fee was. It's, mm. as, it's as simple as that. When we talk about players and like the likes of Martial, <clears throat> what they are to the club more than anything is they're a commodity. They become commodities within themselves. So they know their value is that much to the club because clubs don't want to lose out on them. That's why they get these new con. People don't get new contracts now because clubs love them <clears throat> and want to keep them and build things around them. They get it because clubs are worried about their value in the marketplace, mm. a lot of them. You know, we know the ones with a value, but we know the ones who have got a value, you know, got this kind of more value, more value because of, and they're looking at maybe get, thinking we might be able to get rid of them, but we want to make sure we don't want their contract to go too low. In the end, what do you do? You end up virtually giving them away because they're getting around, they're costing you a lot more money than what they should do around, and become, and even worse is they're becoming a bad apple in the barrel. Mm. And that's what's happened with a modern-day player. The modern, you've got, got it, you've always got it. It's always been around that player who's unhappy and moans about everything and wants to bring, bring in his problems with the manager into the dressing room with the other players, looking for the other players to back him and question the manager. You know, United was the first proper dressing room I went into with a proper proper captain, a proper little small kind of committee around the captain, who that if someone was causing that kind of problem, off you go, off you go. Don't bring it in here. Your problem, go and sort out of him. If not, 
if you don't want to do it with him because you're not brave enough, don't bring it here. We don't need it. And that and that's happened. Happened during my time at United. And it's and it's got it's gone. It goes away. But that that issue isn't there anymore because they're all individuals. A lot of teams, individuals. They're not collective anymore mm. and behind each other. And I think that's happening at United in a way. And it's happening at most clubs at Premier League. You listen to the Premier League now. Everything about the Premier League, all the things going on, <clears throat> games being called off. It all centres around too many games. So in football, too many games in the Premier League. So everyone's arguing about it. And I'm one of them because it's where I come from. I think about the people below. They've, they've been doing that for years, for centuries, playing that amount of football. They get on with it because it's their job. They get on with it because the bonuses that are involved and the fact of you know, the playing bonuses, the win bonuses, because they need them. They, they're not guaranteed, you know, they're making sure they're guaranteed to pay their mortgages to drive, to be able to pay for their cars. In the Premier League, if you know, oh, well, we're not playing a game. We, we won't buy a house this week then. We'll leave that alone. We'll we leave that until maybe next month. And, and it's, everything's the wrong attitude at the moment. The Premier League, with the players, are slowly distances, distancing themselves away from reality and real football fans. And it's becoming quite a kind of us-against-them scenario. And to be honest, I'm more football league because as far as I'm concerned, at the worst, I played with a lot of good football league players who are maybe just as good as the players who are playing now. <clears throat> At the best of it, I'll say well, I played with great football league players who are better all round than the players now. And I think, you know, just quickly, Ian Rush never gets a mention when we talk about goal scorers. And he played in the Premier League, by the way, as you know. He was there in the early stages of it when it first started. And he played for Liverpool in that. Never gets a mention. Brian Robson doesn't get a mention as a Premier League player. Mm. Absolute disgrace what's happened to our football. <clears throat> and what happens is everyone grows into it. The players are into it. All the records we talk, excuse me, <clears throat> all the records we talk about now are Premier League. Not football. Yeah. Premier League. Every everything is about that. Scored so many things of well, that's embarrassing because you know everything is about it's just so and the players are in, they're in there, and that's all they see. They've forgotten that in, that bit of history, that bit that could make them better people. And that's the most important thing in football is being a better person. And Gavin, and that makes you you become a better person. You'll choose who you want around you. And yeah. at the moment, it's it's all wrong. And and Manchester United are in the wrong area. This kind of scenario that's happened with United happened to Liverpool when they were going through their moment, if you remember, yeah. the, the, the people, or the men, I should say, who, want, who thought they were an American band, but white, when they wore those suits at Wembley. It, yeah. You know, it just, yeah, it just absolutely just, it was just incredible. That day, that, that, that Wembley, 96, and they turned up in those suits, you know, and that, and that said what Liverpool had become, and never in a million years would you thought Liverpool had ever gone to that. All of us brought up with Liverpool winning this. <clears throat> and you see that and you go, there's a problem. Yeah. United have got to be careful because we're in that, in that situation at the moment in time. Unless someone gets in there and cracks down on it. Because what happens off the pitch, and, yeah, and that's an, it's an old adage, comes onto the pitch. Yeah. Um, 
Andy asks a question, Paul. Um, how would you have reacted to Lingard and the West Ham photo antics? I'd be disappointed if he's anywhere near the squad tonight. Can't believe a player is showing this amount of disrespect to United. Now, this is interesting, Paul. I, would lo- I do want to get your point on this. Lingard, and we talked about this prior to Christmas, prior to Oli being sacked, he pulled this picture of him in a West Ham kit. And if you were being generous, you would say, well, it was just reposting. There's no big deal about it. Do you know what I mean? You could easily blow that one over and just say, this. you know, it's upset a lot of people. Everyone was upset. There were a lot of people saying, this came on, obviously, straight after Solskjaer had talked about the contracts and everything like that, that there'd been a breakdown in the contract. Everyone sort of knew, well, he's probably going to go then. And then Lingard was in the squad the next day against Watford and, and actually came on um, incredibly. Now, if you were to be generous and say, well, that was just, you know, he didn't know what he was doing. He didn't think it would upset people, blah, 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 blah. But now he knows, he knew that it did upset people the first time around. He knew that there was a reaction the first time he did it. Even Even if you think that you're all right to do it, you knew last time a lot of people were saying, oh, this is like when Paul Ince posted the picture of him in the United shirt. This is betrayal, blah, 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 blah. You just wouldn't do it the second time. Just just out of respect, out of respect for the fan base that supported you. That's where I am with this because I, I, I wanted to... I thought, you know, the first time around, I'd be surprised if he plays again. And I was staggered that he did. But I didn't want to come straight out and go, oh, do you know what, that's unacceptable. Because because you don't know. It might have been an honest mistake. It might have just been a, a reposting of something. But the second time, because he knew what the outcry was the first time, what is he playing at? What would you have done, Paul? I mean, if someone did that a second time, and basically he's disrespecting all of you, isn't it? Yeah. First, first of all, I haven't seen it. I saw saying about it, and I thought myself it was old news. Can you just quickly tell me what has he gone and done this time? Because I, it's the same thing basically. So on Instagram, I know that you, you're getting used to it. But West Ham, I think West Ham tagged him in a, a goal celebration. Um, this is back in November, the one that happened yeah. before Ollie, and he shared yeah, that. I, I remember that one. Yeah, it's basically the same thing. Basically, the same things happened over the last couple of days. So he's done exactly the same thing, knowing all of the criticism that came last time and, and not just criticism, that people were genuinely upset by it. Like United fans are genuinely upset because they don't want to see a United player doing that. And he's gone and done it again. It's just Yeah. Yeah, but the point <clears throat> the point situation was about naivety really on his yeah. part and every professional footballer's part <clears throat> at that given time, that era of football. So when you knew that you have you'd have a big move coming up a photographer who you wouldn't generally know and trust would say, can I have a picture of you in this shirt? So they could be the first one, the moment the deal's done to go bang, we've got a picture in that shirt. Paul got um, let down. Yeah. Somehow somebody got hold of it and they pulled it out early. So Paul got let down. That wasn't Paul, Paul Ince being a big time Charlie or anything like that. He got mugged off by somebody. Yeah. Silly on his part to the person he's done it with, mostly trusted. But then, he trusted somehow, maybe somebody infiltrated that photographer's maybe library, found it, and then did that. Something like that's happened long. That wasn't that wasn't Paul's fault directly. Paul's biggest problem was, in theory, having a picture done maybe 48 hours too early. But when you look at something about Lingard, this has been Lingard's biggest problem. 
Now, he, he, he done great at West Ham. <clears throat> and as you know, I live in a big West Ham community. I've been going there quite a lot lately and working, doing a lot of games working there because my cousin's playing there quite regularly. All my mates all go there, it's, you know, and things are going good for him. And very, he's very reactive, I would say. Is um, Jesse Lingard. He's got somebody who's he's, he's got people working for him. He's not doing it on his own. He's got mm. a PR company and they're using every moment. <clears throat> so there was a good moment for him to do the last one. West Ham have had two wins on the bounce, and he's got and it's and it's got he's gone in there again to do that. Look at you know I'm here. He knows that West Ham fans <clears throat> liked him when he was here. That's an understatement because he made a massive difference. Yeah. Kind of he was there when the ball started rolling. But he's got to remember now, they're doing okay now, but West Ham fans, because they've had it tough, and they're, they're quite, you know, most fans are, they're, they're quite bright, they're, 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 you know, a little bit real, realism about it. He had an opportunity to come. United didn't, made a point of virtually saying they didn't want him because they sent him out on loan. United, I imagine David Moyes talked to him, but his objective was to come back to United within 24 hours, the first thing he does, he has a picture taken with Ronaldo. So there was a few West Ham fans and you look things and I'm on group chats of a football prediction thing I'm involved in, full of predominantly West Ham fans. There's 65 people on it and they kind of little digs, little digs at him. And they're actually saying now to David Moyes, he didn't, he didn't want to come last time. Don't, no, no, got no, nothing about him. Don't, don't really want him back a lot of them are saying in that sense he didn't want to come no difference in certain ways because fans love their clubs the difference is if you turn that if you turn around and you ask for 24 hours give in my time to think about a move to manchester united no you don't we don't think you need 24 hours it's manchester united yeah and so as far as i'm concerned he didn't want to play for him. He'd rather be around. A bit what you were talking about, the Martial situation of being... Exactly, yeah. Being, you know, being this person at Manchester United and everyone talking about United or going to West Ham where you're going to have to work that bit harder. Everything's mm. going to be a bit tougher. You're going to be 220 miles away from um, Manchester. The adulation you were getting from all the people in Manchester would be gone because you're in London. When you're in London... People will see you. They won't run up to you and because it's different thing down here. They won't run up to you. They'll see you. They might point, give you the eyes because they've recognised you and they'll carry on. And that's the difference. And so he's one of them at the moment. I think Jesse Lingard, who loves adulation. He loves what goes with it. Maybe so he should have prioritised his um, football first and foremost because that's the bit that people will always remember you for the bit that when you retire, at such given time, people want to talk about. I mean, I'm quite sure after a while, people will stop talking about him on Instagram because he would have grown a little bit too old to be doing things on there, his TikTok and whatever's going on. And he then, maybe after the time of his career, he'll look in the mirror and then he won't be blaming other people. He will be looking at himself and questioning maybe he should have got more game time in when it was offered to him and gone to a club which is still always going to be guaranteed. It's going to get 60,000 people at every game. And yeah. where he would have been seen as a, been seen as a god because of what he'd done when he first arrived, maybe one of the best loan signings that West Ham have ever had. And he's gone yeah. and blown it by the way he's reacted after. Yeah. Um, 
brings us to just talk quickly about the, the January transfer window. Another question that we had right at the start of the show was from Victoria's Secrets about, do you, do you think we can make top four if we don't strengthen the squad this month? It's going to be tougher to get top four with both Spurs and Arsenal in good form. Um, Paul, obviously, Rangnick's come out and he's basically said he's happy with the squad. Um, if anything happens in business, you would think it's going to be outgoings. Martial already said he wants to leave. Pogba hasn't said anything he never does, but um, you can read into... We all know he wants to go. Um, Cavani looks like he's going to stay. Ragnick said that he's going to keep him around. Van der Beek, um, possibly, you're not going to imagine that he's going to move in January. So the squad, more or less, probably Martial Lingard, if 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 there's anyone that's going to move on, perhaps Dean Henderson, um, because he's sort of voiced his opinion as well. Where where do you stand on that? I mean, the question is, do you think we can make top score, top four if we don't strengthen? I'll put, I'll come in on that before I pass it on to you, Paul. I think we can. I think that the squad showed maybe it's not second place um, in in terms of the the table is strong strongest because we can see the Liverpool and Chelsea um, are stronger than us. But well, we're closer to Chelsea than we are to Liverpool. But it doesn't matter that Arsenal and Spurs are in good form if United play as good as they can do and if they show the consistency that they did last season in spite of not being particularly overwhelming they they should still have enough to get in the top four right I mean that's a massive excuse for these players if not I mean to say that they're not good enough to get in the top four Um, especially it's not like the miles behind if they win the games in hand and I know you're absolutely right about that meaning nothing in theory because you can easily lose those games and United could easily lose them. Um, I mean, it's not unfeasible to say that those games in hand, um, you lose against Brightford, uh, Brentford and, and draw against Brighton, so you're only gaining one point in that. Um, I'm not being negative or pessimistic, I'm just being realistic. That's a situation that could happen to United. So, the question, Paul, is pretty to you. Do United have to strengthen to finish in the top four, or are they good enough to do that with the squad that they've got? They have to strengthen. Really? Opinion. Yeah, I, be- I believe that, and you know, everyone's got their own opinions. I think they have to strengthen, given how they are at this moment in time. City have a night against Burnley. Looked terrible defensively. No, still no cohesion. Still no cohesion at all. <clears throat> and that back line. He started with um, <clears throat> started with Bay. Bay still, as the saying goes, looks an accident waiting to happen. He does some incredible. You know, just. Does you know? I'm going to come out and say he senses danger. He sees things, but even then, you think to yourself, he goes in and it's it's like one of them. It's all in. Everything he does, every challenge is all in. It's there, pushed out. You know, do or die. His clearances. You think to yourself, Christ, he's going to take someone's head off when he's, the way he's kicking through. You just don't know what you're going. But when it comes to making, you know, what defending, I don't think there's no better defender in that club. When you're yeah. on about someone out and out defending, here's your job to do. Just and he, and he does it, but it's just the other bits. You know, again, he goes down injured. You know, and you want him to stand up. Think about the time and think yourself, how bad? How bad are you really? Do you think you played well, so you want to come off because so you can, you know, get a pat on the back and get applauded off because everyone think, you know, I don't, I don't know why, I don't know why he does it. It's amazing now during that game as well when that happened. The camera panned in on Mickey Feeland 
And Mickey Phelan was going mad. I don't know, he wasn't happy about Sam. Mickey was standing by where the announcer stands, you know, that bit down there, just down there by the, by the entrance of the old um, dressing room tunnel. And he was just there. And I don't know whether or not he was having a go of the fact of Varane not being prepared or the fact of Bai going down in the manner in which he went down and he was sitting down and he's kind of... If you don't know, you're doing something like you go down and the last thing you want is an injury. The last thing you want to do is come off the pitch with an injury, especially when you're winning. And yeah. it was just the way he was sitting there and it was like virtually there and pina colada. I'm, I'm going off. You know, it was... Don't, yeah, yeah, keep it cool. It was just strange and... I, I don't know, then Varane comes on. Why, you know, I think to myself then, does he fancy Varane or did he want to look at Bay? Because Varane was played in the game. Pro- you, you don't know Harry Maguire, unsteady. Luke Shaw, nothing really changes. I'm not sure if he's fancied. Um, there's so many questions to be asked about Manchester United. Juan Pasaka looked terrible in certain books, in certain bits. Looked terrible. I haven't said that about him before. And, now I'm seeing it as a lad now who's been caught a little bit. It must be a Palace trait, maybe a little bit like um, Zaha when he comes to United. The club's too big. Every, everything on him is too much. Can't, can't do it at, at that, for that club. Can't do it. You put him back maybe into a Palace shirt or another club and you, you'll mostly see maybe an inc- a cr- incredible right back for that club where expectations are not and not too much for him, for what he's got to deliver, <clears throat> you know, and it's, it's no different to anyone else. If, if people wanted Paul Parker to come to Manchester United and be this att- all-out attacking fullback, sorry, they were going to be disappointed. If they wanted Paul Parker to come and be this defender who's going to win most tackles and give, give his best week in, week out, <clears throat> then there, were, <clears throat> excuse me, there, were <clears throat> there was a chance they were going to get that, and that's, and that's what it was, and and the, the way the game is, or the way the game's been turned by certain people, the manipulators, he's got to attack. And so he's put something which he can't relate to it. It's for Manchester United. Yeah. Somewhere else. I saw him do it for Palace, and I wouldn't. I would say he was fine. He was a good right back. Yeah. He is a proper right back. So that's the stumbling block for United, what he's going to do defensively. That's where I think the changes are going to make. That's where I think he might go out and spend money, maybe on fullbacks. I don't know if he's a fan of Telles. I still don't believe he's a fan of Luke Shaw. Mm. You know, I still don't believe he is a fan of Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw plays plays games in certain ways. Every time he likes one of his long runs with the ball, he he makes the longest overlaps I've ever seen in my life. Needless, yeah. sometimes. In fact, he cramps space when he overlaps instead of allowing someone to go one against one. Doesn't yeah. need to do it. Just be there maybe for if he wants to turn around and come back and then he can start play again going going out to the other side of the park. So that's what you've got to be. You can't always overlap, you know. Uh, you know, I, my excuse for not overlapping is that I had Andre in front of me most times and I couldn't get past him. He was too quick. So that's my excuse anyway. Um, so going back to it, I think they need a couple of different personnel. Players who... For me, it's a bit like Conte going going out and getting the players who he's not, who he knows, and generally, I think they're going to be German who can play system, who will know his system, and what they will do, 
they will then maybe put good habits into some of the players in the squad because what happens is players react to new people coming in. And especially if they know they've got an association with the manager, they're not going to mug themselves off in front of them because they think to themselves, oh, minute, they could go and grasp me up. They could be talking about me. So they will change their habits yeah. and try and equalise their habits. Say, look, we can... We can and that's, the, and that's the, bit, the good things that could happen. Signings yeah. could lift people. Dare I say it, but you know what I'm going to say about signing that makes a difference. Add <laughs> something new. And, yeah. and, and that's it. It's not about winning a league this time, though. It's about guaranteeing qualifying for a Champions League. And it's making Manchester United sound like Arsenal. Where everyone used to talk about Arsenal many moons ago, which in theory for Manchester United is embarrassing. But as we know, you know, life life is like, you know, life goes round in circles, doesn't it, really? And No, it does at United, and you're absolutely right. And um um yeah, it feels like it's going to be another of those tough games to get through against Wolves tonight. Um, some of the team news is saying Maguire might be absent. He was absent from the team um, at the, the team hotel, but it's a home game. You don't always have to report for them, so maybe maybe he'll be part of the squad. But if not, then it's looking like the, the centre-backs are going to be Jones and Varane because they're the only ones in the squad. So that will be very, very interesting to to watch. Um, you've already talked about Wolves and what a difficult game that's that's going to be um, and how difficult they are to break down. Notoriously, every game that we've had against them has been difficult, so it's not going to be um, any tough, any any different to that. To be honest, um, you're absolutely right in in what you're saying about you know the the standard of it's, a, it's such a strange thing for me, Paul, that we have in this conversation, and people might think, "Oh, you've been very kind to Solskjaer in this," because obviously things were going wrong and and it it was what it was. The, se- the season was what it was, but at least with Solskjaer, there was no everyone knew that the bar was set to challenge for the league, even though it was unrealistic with this squad. People were saying, and Solskjaer was building it up himself. He was saying, no, this is where we want to be. This is where we're challenging. And now he's gone. And there's a Champions League qualification again. It's like there's a comfort zone for these players yet again that, oh, as, as long as we make the Champions League. And even, even that, some people are saying, oh, well, if they finish fifth because the Champions League looks a bit too far for them. Well, there's no reason why we're halfway through a season, why they shouldn't be better than Arsenal or Spurs because... On paper, the squads are a lot better than Arsenal and Spurs. Um, and my concern is not with the manager. It's always with the players. Have they got enough pride and self-respect in them? And I think this is a critical period for us as fans to to learn this about them. Do they have the pride and self-respect? Because it, finishing fourth for United, Paul, which you never did, would be embarrassing for, for players of your era, it'd be purely embarrassing. It should be for these players when they were talked about in in the breath of title winners at the start of the season. Embarrassing to to be doing what they're doing. Um, so they, I, I think you I definitely would have, um, as a player, you would have felt it, and you would have felt major heat on the back of your neck as well from up above. But I do wonder if the players of today, if they really do feel it, if they really. Do get that, and listen. At the end of the day, football changes, life, life, life changes. Life has changed a little bit quicker than expected because of what's gone on. So things have moved on a little bit quicker. So we can only expect so much. <clears throat> People talk about passion. I think football, again at PL level, is losing that passion because it's becoming a little bit more like theatre. 
It's mm. not real life anymore. You know, sooner or later we're going to have Anton Deck um, introducing Premier League football. That's the way it's going at this moment in time. They're going to be given tasks while they're playing the game of what they, you know, they've got to do. While they, you know, while dribble past five players and throw a slug down their throat before they shoot. You know, if you want to watch real football, you got to go. You got to get outside the Premier League to find passion, really, where it means something still because. It's still working class. Premier League isn't working class anymore. It's a it's a different way of life, to be perfectly honest. And it's it's a shame, but that's the way it is. And it's not something that I'm really really enjoying. The thing that keeps me alive, really, and keeps me buzzing with the Premier League is the fact of wanting to see United get back, and then looking at other people and seeing how they're reacting to it because it's the last thing a lot of people want, really, at this moment in time. Yeah. Um, well, hopefully, I mean, well, the one thing you can say is that Rangnick's form has been decent, if um, Wayne is just winning games, mate. And like I say to you, United are more than just winning games. If people just want to watch teams win games, drop down a few divisions and there's a few teams in there can win games all the time, all the time and compete to get promotion. But if you're Manchester United, you're looking for performances to go with great, great performances with great wins. And that's what it should have been against Burnley. When you play Burnley, you beat them fours at home and everyone goes, wow. Winning 1-0, three points, that's all that matters. Rubbish with Manchester United. Performances, they're the ones that makes people think. Arsenal's performance against Man City. Everyone's got, oh, Man City won and whatever. But people are looking at Arsenal's performance and saying, wow, that wasn't bad. And they didn't even win the game. People are yeah. still talking about the way they played it. Performances matter for the fans. They matter for the manager because he thrives on them. It's what he's been coaching all week to try and to, try and to implement yeah. to get out on the park. But more, more important for players. So when they go and play their next game and it's a big game, they're on top of the world. Their chests are out. They look down, they look at their fires and they go, cool, they look good. There's a lot of energy in them and their lungs, their lung capacity gets bigger. That's what yeah. that's what performances do. Just winning games means nothing. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And Paul, it's so refreshing, but also quite depressing when when you speak with such passion about representing United, and you just know what the if if, if the players if half of the players had the sort of passion for playing for a club that you do, then they we, you'd have no problem because they would know the responsibility of this um, and the privilege that they've got. Um, well, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, we'll see something better than what we normally see against Wolves tonight. Um, Paul and I will be back next week to discuss it. Um, if you're watching live on YouTube, please be sure to like and subscribe the channel. If you're listening back on the podcast, uh, please leave us a nice review or rating on the platform you're listening on. We will be back next week. Stay safe. Stay well. Thanks for listening and watching.